you can build the capacity to adapt to stress. Stress isn't the enemy, it's the gateway to growth. And I think your audience will really resonate with this because life is chaotic. It doesn't have to feel that way. Hello and welcome to the Minimalist Moms podcast. It's hard enough being a mom and the last thing you need is stress from too much stuff and an overcrowded schedule. For too long, I lived with the mindset that bigger was better and the more I added to my life, instead of feeling better, I felt overwhelmed. It was time for a radical new mindset. Less is more. I'm not into extremes. I didn't throw everything away. My brand of minimalism is more about adding than subtracting. Get rid of the excess to make room for what you love. In other words, it's about living life with purpose. I hope you'll listen in as my guests and myself can inspire you to think more and do with less. Forget what you've been told. Stress isn't always a bad thing. In fact, it can actually help you grow. But how? Here to tell us why is Dr. Eric Corum. Eric has trained everyone from NFL and NCAA athletes and Olympic gold medalists to the U.S. Department of Defense. Today, Eric joins me to share his top tips for how to deal with stress in your mind, body, and relationships. Stress isn't the enemy. It's the gateway to growth. But before we get there, I want to quickly share a minimalist moment of the week with all of you. My family and I just returned home from North Carolina. Every couple of years, my parents run a beach house for the siblings and their families, and it's what I guess they call lovely chaos. Though I will say, this was the easiest trip to date because the kids are all getting a little bit older. So anyways, my minimalist moment has to do with the way that I packed. I ended up packing my three children, ages 8, 5, and 3, and myself, in one bag. All of our clothes for nine days I packed in one bag. I've done this in the past and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to make it happen this time. Like I said, my kids are getting older and have more opinions and their clothes are just bigger in general. But I stuck to what worked for me. Making that list, that intentional list before you leave, and remembering that you don't go through nearly as many clothes as you think. I guess I should have prefaced this by saying we did have access the entire time to a washer and dryer. So for each of my kids, I packed three shirts and three pairs of shorts. This isn't a blanket statement for every vacation that you may be taking, but it's my encouragement to you to say, look over that list that you have written down. Do you actually need that many things for your trip? When you look to past vacations, did you end up wearing everything that you packed? I think the key to packing with less is to consider how you can mix and match the things that you're bringing. And then a final word of advice is that if you're not sure about it, you probably don't need it. Focus on the memories you're going to be creating, the experiences that you're cultivating with one another, and not the abundance of things you need to take with you. All right. Well, I am talking to Eric Corum. I'm excited to have you on the Minimalist Moms podcast today. I know you're not a mom, but I always love hearing from dads as well. So welcome to the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell me a little bit more about what it is that you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And yes, I'm a dad, have three boys, 11, 7, and 3, and I'm married to a wonderful gal named Haley. We've been married almost 15 years. I uh, Prior to starting my company, AIM7, which I started two years ago, I spent 16 years in college and professional sports working as a sports scientist and human performance coach. Um, My job was to turn data into human performance solutions. And I worked with world-class athletes in NFL, Olympic gold medalist sprinters. Um, And then I also got a PhD and studying how sleep impacts our ability to adapt to stress. 
And so I'm really fascinated with how we can build this capacity to adapt to the craziness of life and thrive. Absolutely. And when I was reading through a little bit more of your bio and about you, you say stress is your secret weapon. I saw Mm. that and it really stood out to me because it doesn't feel like it for me. Sometimes it (laughs) feels debilitating. So let's, let's hash this out and just jump right into it. Why is stress a secret weapon? Yeah. So stress gets a bad rap, right? Because we think about all the negative emotions and feelings that come with being in a quote stress state. But if you think about it, Stress is actually the gateway to growth. If you want to get good at anything in life, you have to deliberately engage with stress. So if you want to get physically fit, you exercise. What is exercise? It's a physical stress. When you then recover, guess what happens? Your body adapts so it can handle more. If you want to learn a new skill, you have to deliberately engage in the difficult task of learning which creates what are called plastic changes in your brain and your brain modifies itself. And guess what? You're smarter. The problem is not stress itself. It's when you experience a significant amount that exceeds your capacity to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. And that's when you experience burnout, excessive fatigue, mental health issues, or you could even get injured. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you say that being adaptable in the areas mentally, physically, and socially. So maybe just break those down a little bit more and what it looks like to adapt. Because again, I am a mom of three. I homeschool. Mm -hmm. I have this podcast. I have a photography business. Stress is good, but it's been saying no to the right things so they can say yes to the right things. And that's how I think I've adapted to have a maintainable life. But yeah, let's hash out those three areas and what it maybe has looked like for you or your encouragement. Yeah, there's a simple equation you can think about. Stress plus rest equals growth. And so Mm -hmm. to the extent that you can manage or control the inputs, you want to be able to control the things that you can control. Because the reality is you can't, quote, manage stress. We can't manage what happens in the financial markets. We can't manage what happens in the world sometimes. What you can do is build the capacity. So what you just said is so critical. Saying no to some things so that you can say yes to others. That's you turning the lever of saying, I'm only going to do a few things really, really well, and I'm going to deliberately take those on. But there are five pillars for building the capacity to adapt to stress or adaptive capacity. Sleep, exercise, Mm -hmm. what we call mental fitness, nutrition, and healthy relationships. And the scientific literature is very clear. If you engage in these things at a certain threshold, not only do you live longer, but you're more resilient and adaptable to the chaotic world that we live in. Because as a mother, you understand that like some nights, like let's be honest, like the whole biohacking thing, I have this one hour morning routine that like, that's just not real. You got kids, they stay up all night, something crazy happens, you got to go to the hospital or maybe they got a sick kid. You still got to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And, and so like, how do you build, everybody has a, a limited capacity. Think of it as your gas tank. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't run out of gas, guess what? You're going to get to your destination, but everybody's tank is a certain size. What you can do is build a bigger tank. So when these crazy things happen, you don't end up on empty. You're at a half a tank. Mm-hmm. So I think about like, what are the pillars that I can consistently engage in? 
maybe it's not all five at the same time, but I can only focus on two so that I'm filling this tank up with more gas and the the tank gets bigger. Absolutely. I think for me, if we're talking to parenting, motherhood, Mm -hmm. I have tried, if I bring it back to my prefrontal cortex and that awareness, Mm -hmm. I have tried to not engage in every situation that feels somewhat chaotic, or if it feels like not to my preferences, something that my children do, it might not be my preference. And I think when I'm more stressed out, I will engage in those moments, which actually make me a lot more stressed out. But if my stress is low and there is a stressful situation, I try to just say, this is okay. This is not, I guess this isn't a battle that I have to choose. That's for lack of a better word. I don't engage in everything that might just not be to my preference. I try to recognize this is not stress that I want to engage in, even though it seems stressful and I'm going to redirect myself, even redirect the bad behavior. So I don't know if, if you've noticed that in your own life. Yeah, I th- I love what you're saying here. And I think there's a concept that may help the people that are listening, and it's called psychological flexibility. You know, we have a lot of negative thoughts that can manifest really, really quickly. And unless mm-hmm. we're aware of this conversation that's going on in our heads, it can quickly lead us down a destructive path. And there's a couple parts to this psychological flexibility that I think would really be a value add to the people that are listening. So I have this term called mental fitness, and it's the ability to be consciously present and to process information without bias, which empowers you to respond quickly and rationally to changing circumstances with committed actions anchored in your value. So think about it. Your kids are going crazy. What happens? You you react instead of respond. Because instead of your brain going slow down, let's process what happened. Let's say we yell at our kids or we do something. Oh man, I wish I later on you're like, I wish I would have acted in a way that was more aligned with who I am. And then you go love on them and you're like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes. And so there's a way that you can tap into this if you want me to break that down. I like practicalities because oftentimes I'll walk away from a podcast with that warm feeling or like that excitement, but I don't really know how to apply it. So yeah. What does that look like? The first thing is identifying your purpose. So Mark Twain said the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you find out why. Defining why you exist and your purpose Mm -hmm. is really important. And you can do that in a couple ways. You can ask yourself some questions. You know, how can my talents, skills, and abilities be used to impact others? Where do I Mm -hmm. find joy and fulfillment? Where does my current job leave me unfulfilled? Is it the work itself or why I'm doing it? Another question you can ask yourself is, what would I want my obituary to say when I die? So I would highly recommend that whenever it's quiet time, if it's when your kids go to bed, maybe they're at nap time, you go sit in a closet, (laughs) like I'm going to get some quiet time. Sit down and think about what really fills my tank. And for me, my purpose is to use my talents to honor God and impact people. It's pretty simple. Mm -hmm. Once you understand your purpose, then you need to identify your values. And your values are like our non-negotiable principles that set the tone for who you want to be right here, right now. So goals are about a destination, but values are about a direction. Values are about like how I want to act and behave. So for me, I value excellence. I value caring. 
I value faith. These are the things that I value. And when you put, when your values will put feet on your purpose and they will guide your actions. So if you understand my, your purpose, Mm -hmm. then you can anchor your actions in your values. But to be able to do that, so now you're able to be flexible to the chaos, right? Something comes in, you're like, okay, I know who I am and I know how I want to act. But to train that, the most important thing, and I think the third part of this, so it's purpose, values, it's awareness. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part, I think. So um, a good friend of mine, his name is Dr. Peter Haberl. He was the senior psychologist for the U.S. Olympics. And he says that uh, attention is the currency of performance. Okay. And as a parent, when we are most disappointed in ourselves, and I think personally is when I don't have control of my attention. And so what you want to be is you want to be fully present and aware of your thoughts, emotions, and feelings. So you're responding and not Mm -hmm. reacting. You're responding anchored in your values. Mm -hmm. And a great way to train this is mindfulness. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, mindfulness is not a religious experience. It is a deliberate practice of Mm -hmm. honing into your awareness. And you Mm -hmm. can do it in a lot of different ways. You can... The most common way is to hone in on a physical sensation like your Mm -hmm. breath, to close Mm -hmm. your eyes and to just observe it. You can do mindful eating. Mm. You can go on a walk and instead of just mindlessly, you know, you can actually like tune into your environment. And what it's doing is is it's training your mind to be aware of what's happening in the environment. And when you Mm -hmm. train mindfulness, you are naturally going to drift away. Your brain's going to go off mm-hmm. into space. And then the, the, act, the process of actually pulling your brain back to the current moment is what changes your brain. And mm-hmm. research demonstrates for those of you that struggle with anxiety, for those mm-hmm. of you that struggle with like, you know, uncontrollable, you know, stress. There was a recent paper published in JAMA Psychiatry that found that eight weeks of mindfulness was just as effective at reducing the severity of anxiety symptoms is the commonly prescribed anti-anxiety drug Lexapro. Wow. It's pretty powerful. This was a, um, this was a, a clinical trial, kind of the gold standard of studies. So it helps reduce burnout, helps lower blood pressure, improves heart rate variability, helps you prevent task switching. So Diane, I know you're a very busy person, likes to do a lot of things. Oftentimes, the most satisfactory thing you can do is just engage in one piece of work for like 60 minutes and be totally engrossed in it. When you're done, you're like, oh my gosh, that was so fun. Mm -hmm. The only way you can do that is if you can train your mind to be focused. So I'm going to stop for a second. Does that make sense? No, it totally does. It reminds me, I just recently spoke with Joshua Fields Milburn. He's half of the minimalists. And he was talking about uh, the word priority, the word priority up until for, for 500 years after it was created, it meant one thing, the first thing. And then we pluralized it in the early 19th century, meaning many, many first things. But then that kind of contradicts itself because you can't have many first things. What is the first Mm. thing? So what you're saying and what he said has helped me bring to the forefront of my mind, what is priority right now? He said in that moment when he was talking to me, 
you're my priority. This conversation right now is my priority. And then later on, I'm going to move on to another priority, meaning the first thing. So I think you're, what you're saying about mindfulness and then bringing in what is priority in the moment, it really is helping us come back to what is currently taking place, what is happening in the present moment. Can I do the best that I can in this present moment? Right now, this is interviewing you. I'm going to go inside and take care of my kids. But I think oftentimes I'm trying to take care of my kids while sending an email. I'm trying to have priorities in that moment because I'm multitasking, but I'm going to do both of those not as well as if I just had, like you said, 60 minutes of focus time. And I do think our kids deserve that. They do deserve our uninhibited time. That's a beautiful way of describing it. I have not heard it said that way, but I'm thinking right now about like sitting at the kitchen dinner table and that should be my priority in the moment and it should get all of my attention with the ch- with the kids. I- I'd love that. Yeah. So again, it's just another way to have that focus. But when it was stated to me in such a way, it just struck me because I never mm. have fully un- understood mindfulness. To me, it always meant meditation, I guess. Yes. I don't know. You've described it really great as well. I appreciate it. I I think a lot of that comes from just spending years with athletes and like they don't like things that are mystical and it's got to be real. And and when I really started digging into it and went to the people that are, are training people, they're like, Eric, this is just a training tool. How do you train your mind to be present? Because the best athletes in the world want to be present in the moment so they're in control of their thought. They're going to feel pressure. There's a there's a fallacy that best in the world don't feel pressure. One of my athletes I worked with for 14 years, her name is Veronica Campbell-Brown. She's an eight-time Olympic medalist three-time Olympic gold medalist in the one and 200 meters. And she's a mother of two kids. She's almost like my sister. We're very close. She's a Jamaican sprinter or was a Jamaican sprinter. But I would ask Veronica, I mean, like in the Olympics, like in the bird's nest in 2008, it was so bright on the track. There was not a shadow. Think about how crazy the light's coming at every angle. It's so bright. And in the moment, I'm like, do you feel stressed? She's like, of course I do. But because I'm able to be present in the moment, I can act in a way and execute. And it goes to your family life. It goes to when you're doing your side hustle, or your whole time business. Like you don't have to beat yourself up. It's a, it's, we're all on a spectrum or we're all working towards something. So I love that idea of priority. I had a couple of thoughts when you were speaking. Mm-hmm. And one is how do we, manage stress when there are things that feel out of our control, like our our spouse. We can't control our spouse necessarily. Right. I think you have to have tools to regulate yourself in the moment so that you can respond or at least cope with the moment. So sometimes things happen that are completely out of our control. Maybe you have a boss that just goes off the rails or has had a bad day and treats you very poorly or even your spouse, right? There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of broken marriages and relationships and it can be unbelievably difficult. I think mm-hmm. one of the key things is being able to regulate yourself in the moment. So when you train this 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 awareness, you start to be able to sense when that barometer is going up, right? And you're starting to get mm-hmm. agitated, you're starting to feel out of control. There's a really simple way that you can kind of, I don't like the term hacks. But uh, mm-hmm. there's a sim- simple way that you can kind of begin to cope in the moment, and that's through your breath. So your breath helps regulate something called the autonomic nervous system. So there's two branches to your nervous system, the autonomic and the central nervous system. The autonomic nervous system has two parts. It's like a gas pedal 
and a brake. And the gas pedal is like that fight or flight, which is good. It can be really good to help you do difficult things. And then the brake really kind of helps you get into that rest and digest. So when you feel yourself ramping up and maybe you're in a one-on-one situation, if you can just start doing long duration exhales, you don't have to make a big deal out of it and breathe really weird because then, <laughs> then the whole thing gets strange. But just start like slowly just like extending your exhale for like four to eight seconds. Breathe in normal, extend your exhale. Or maybe you have a break for a few minutes or you know you're about to go into a sticky situation. Take about four or five minutes. Short So you're going to double your exhale to your inhale duration. What happens is that stimulates the autonomic nervous system and helps you put on the brake and you begin to regain control of the moment. Have you ever heard somebody say like, hey, just take a deep breath? That's actually the worst thing you can do. Because what that does is it ramps up the sympathetic nervous system. Vigorous inhales are like that. That actually is is a technique to get you excited. So what you want to do is actually... Long duration exhales, because then what happens is is you can biologically begin to shift the system. Then you can intentionally regain awareness in the moment and go, okay, I know this is going to be hard. I want to think about what I value. Let's go. You know what I'm saying? And do your best. To piggyback on that thought, it is having a plan for those moments that could mm. be, as you said, sticky. So preparing myself mentally before going into situations like that, if I say, okay, when I find myself in this position, I'm going to breathe out and and do some of these practices. I'm going to dwell and meditate on what is true. When I am left without a plan in those moments, then you end up flailing. And that's not good for anyone. <laughs> No, I'm with you. And so deliberately practicing a few of these things, it doesn't have to be 20 minutes or 30 minutes, like five minutes a couple times a week is enough to move the needle. And I would just, if this is something you're struggling with, just be like, okay, kids go down for a nap, they go away. I I got some time, just literally go in the closet, sit down and just start practicing. And it doesn't have to be any special app or anything like that. You can start just thinking through these things and practicing a little bit of breath work. Close your eyes, focus on your breathing and just try to observe your breath. That is literally all there is to it. And you can do it in a lot of different ways and then practice some of these breath work tools so that you have a plan for when things get crazy. Yes, absolutely. Well, Eric, I feel like we just touched the surface of the things that you talk about. You talk again about sleep, exercise, stress, and mental health. I feel like we got the stress down, so I should have you back in the future to talk more about the health component, which I know stress is a huge part of our health, but more of the practicals with the physical body. So we'll have to have you back at some point. But until then, where can listeners find you and connect with you online? Yes. So Eric Corum on Instagram or Twitter. I also have a podcast called The Blueprint where we take things just like we talked about and distill them into simple tactics for busy people in like 15 minute episodes. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing I would say is we have an app that we that actually delivers all of these things for busy people. It's called AIM7, AIM7. And if you have a wearable, we use that wearable data along with how you feel to deliver daily personalized recommendations for your mind, body, and recovery to help you look, feel, and perform better. And it's built for busy people. So it's just like, here's a tool you can use right now based off of how you feel. Okay. Are you talking about something like an aura ring or? 
if you use an Apple Watch, an Aura, a Fitbit, a Garmin, we connect to all that stuff and we demystify okay. it. It We take that data and make it actionable for you. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Awesome. All right. Well, I didn't prepare you for this, but I always ask my guests two questions at the end. These are just fast uh-huh. answers to get to know you a little bit better. So the first one is, what has been a beneficial resource in your life? Not even in reference to what we were talking about today, but just a beneficial resource that you'd like to share with the listeners. Yeah, I would. Um, I know this sounds really interesting, but like, I think there's wisdom in, in engaging with people that are older than you or advanced. Like, find somebody that's 10 years ahead of where you want to be right now, whether it's professionally or with children. And I think having a mentor that you can go to and ask the difficult questions. And I have different mentors in different parts of my life that when I run of it, because like a book is great, but a book's not going to talk back to you. And there's principles you can get, but I think finding mentors uh, is a very valuable thing for yourself. And then also for the mentor, because as you age, there's a part of you that wants to give back and it's very satisfying for them. Yeah, absolutely. See someone that has done something well that you would also like to do well and maybe seek them out. That's great advice. Absolutely. Uh, Well, my last question is, what is something that you can't stop talking about? Oh my gosh. Um, chat GPT, my wife would kill me about this one, but she even told me yesterday, she said, chat GPT is your girlfriend. Uh, cause we're planning our 15 year anniversary. I was like, Oh, so like there's these plugins, but I think they're these large language models and what's going on there is changing a lot of things. And I want to be ahead of the technology and I want to be able to use it in a wise manner, uh, for both my company. And I just think it's a tool that can help it's like a great assistant. It's a good co-pilot. And and I figured out a way to save almost $15,000 a month using ChatGPT. Interesting. Well, I will have to go down that rabbit hole of how to hmm. and maybe outsource a little bit to ChatGPT. But um, again, this was a great conversation and I think it really will encourage my listeners. So thanks for joining me today. Thank you, Diane, for having me. It's been a blessing. What did you think of the episode? I hope you enjoyed the conversation. To learn more about today's guest, including links, resources related to everything discussed today, visit the episode page at minimalistmomspodcast.com, where you can find the entire podcast archive, as well as my book, Minimalist Moms Living and Parenting with Simplicity, or other ways to connect or work with me online. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest and most impactful thing you can do is subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and leave a rating or review of your favorite episode. Lastly, sharing the show or your favorite episode with friends on social media is very helpful and will encourage others on their journey to think more and do with less.